Talk Rugby World Cup 2023. Passion has been palpable inside the stands, especially when the Irish have been on show. They have been magnificent tourists. They always are. And why not sing when you are winning? Because their side's doing a hell of a lot of winning. 17 straight test match victories, and they head into a Rugby World Cup quarterfinal uh, with helium never seen before in Irish rugby history. And we are delighted to get the Irish view of this huge game. One, I'm just full of so much excitement for now. Two sides who play the game so enterprisingly and can be so entertaining. We are delighted to welcome in uh, Gavin Casey, who joins us. He is a fine rugby mind uh, sports journalist uh, for the 42 in Ireland. Gavin, thanks so much for dropping by and staying up late and speaking to us in little old New Zealand. Daniel, what a pleasure. I've been expecting your call to some degree. I was really excited, actually, when Louis, the producer, got in touch. I love talking to you guys when Ireland and the All Blacks are on a collision course. And look, this time around, it's as big as it gets, right? It's a little bit different to four years ago where Ireland had probably a year prior to that World Cup in Japan established themselves as up there with you guys as one of the, one of the two best teams in the world, but really had an old dive when it came to that quarterfinal. This time around, it feels like these are two sides that are hitting their stripes, but really entering their primes, I think, as collectives. I know you guys will have a change of coaching and all of that after this tournament, but it seems like you're in a pretty good place, dare I say, coming in under the radar a little bit. At least that would be the ex- uh, external perception of these All Blacks. And as you say, Ireland are on a a pretty good run of form that made them difficult to ignore. So it all comes down to Paris. I can't wait. Yeah, and, and it's different to four years ago, isn't it? But we, we do know Ireland had beaten New Zealand twice leading up to the 2019 World Cup. New Zealand swept aside Ireland in the quarterfinals, big margin. But, but there were worrying sides, signs during the group phase from what I remember of Ireland's performance uh, four years ago. It, it looked like they weren't at their best compared to previous years. That's not the case this time around in 2023. And, and I think the nature of that performance against Scotland last time out is just a true example, is it not? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I would say that Joe Schmidt-led Ireland team had actually hit its absolute pinnacle, hit its full capacity as a group of players in that 2018 test when Ireland beat New Zealand and Dublin. And listen, it's no secret that those games do tend to mean a little bit more to Ireland and to Irish fans, particularly when they're up in our neck of the woods. Also, the Summer Series last year had a a little bit of history to it. But again, from an Irish perspective, and probably the the amount of stock we put in those games is a bit inflated. And ultimately, when it came to the business end of the World Cup, Ireland were nowhere near the team they had been a year prior and you guys sorted us out and taught us a lesson in the quarterfinal, as it's been the case so often in the past. I do think this time around you're absolutely spot on. This Ireland team under Andy Farrell has just been on uh, an incrementally upward curve for the last two, two and a half years. There's a, a time during Farrell's tenure, early doors, where their attack seemed to be a little bit dysfunctional. Mike Cass, the attack coach, was coming under pressure. But just slowly but surely, they built their way into form and really added layers to what is a multi-phase, multi-layered attack. And it's quite an aesthetically pleasing attack at that. So that's why these two teams gel so brilliantly, at least um, in terms of the spectacle on a Saturday night. It promises to be a really exciting game of rugby. And absolutely, I do think Ireland are a team in form. I think they have established themselves among the top three or four teams in the world now without any argument. And the question for us is, has the world number one mantle been something of a fallacy or is it actually deserved? You can say on current form it might be deserved, but ultimately um, 
these things will really be determined in the heat of battle in knockout rugby. That's where Ireland have historically struggled at World Cups and where you guys have absolutely excelled. And we hope that this team is different. I, I would say that I don't think there's going to be any psychological hang-up. Uh, fans in Ireland might be a, a, afflicted by a kind of a generational trauma when it comes to Rugby World Cup quarterfinals, but those players won't be. They're next game driven. They do feel as though they know how to beat the All Blacks. They certainly know they can compete with them. And it sort of strikes as being a 50-50 game and just whoever is more accurate on the day as much as anything may get the job done. So when we factor in what's at stake, World Cup quarterfinal, we factor in Ireland's records in quarterfinals, we factor in New Zealand losing to Ireland at home, uh, losing that incredible uh, winning record at home. That, that all sort of weaves into the, the psychological battle in the fan bases, but you think that's a phony war for these two sides, that it's, you know, it just means nothing? Well, I would say that it is almost exactly the same Ireland team as the one that won the third, third test in New Zealand last summer. I, the only change I would say to the starting 15 will be that Gary Ringrose will start at 13, whereas I think in that final test it was Bundy Aki and Robbie Hencho in midfield. You guys have obviously had sea change, really, in your uh, match day 23. There's been complete changes in the front row. Obviously, a different midfield for you guys. You've got a different 10-15 combination than you did at that time. Plus, you've added uh, extra dimensions to your coaching as well. The Joe Schmidt factor we might have a chance to talk about, which is a little bit spooky for us because we just know how great a coach Schmidt is. So I would say like, from the Irish perspective, uh, I, oh, like there may be something they can gleam from the fact that they did go down to New Zealand. They became the first Irish team to ever win a test in New Zealand and then a series in New Zealand. Oh, and that has been part of their journey. As, at the time, I remember Andy Farrell describing that achievement as arguably the most difficult achievement in world rugby. And it certainly added a kind of a sense of confidence to those players when it comes to facing the All Blacks. A few of them had obviously beaten the All Blacks already in uh, 20, well, at the previous November, and even a few of them in 2018 and 2016 as well. It feels like that was a step on Ireland's journey. It feels like you guys sort of ripped things up a little bit after that series. It was obviously a nadir for you guys. You, you lost that proud home record, at least against Ireland. There was a test as well against Argentina close, close afterwards. But I would say that if you look at this New Zealand team, you did just win a rugby championship. You came into the tournament marginally, but as tournament favourites. Okay, the France game, the opening game, it didn't go your way, but I actually feel as though the scoreline was a little bit deceptive. France kind of ran away in the end, but New Zealand had some really nice spells in that game. I mean, they started in electrifying fashion, and I would say that they're probably a better team for that defeat, right? So, like, when you consider the changes in personnel, I don't know that there's a great deal we can take from that series in New Zealand, aside from the fact that, as you say, psychologically, those Ireland players will feel as though they may have the beating of New Zealand. But when you go back to 2019, and there is a bit of an overlap in terms of the Irish personnel even going back that far, I just don't believe that has any, there's any credence to um, examining that game in any great detail. I don't think the players will be thinking that way at all. Right. Uh, they've ostensibly been playing knockout rugby before this quarterfinal, right? The psychology of the Irish fan is once we get to the last days, we tend to wilt. And I actually think it's a little bit of an unfair... It's a bit of a myth, in all honesty, as much as the results um, do state that much. There have been mitigating factors <laughs> yeah. in quite a few of those games. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I don't know that we necessarily choke in quarterfinals as much as maybe we're just not that good a team by the time we get there. This time around, we're just hopeful that we yeah. are, and that, that is the key difference. <laughs>
Well, I'll be delicate here, Kevin. Uh, I take your word at face value. I understand where you're coming from. I'm not sure the average New Zealand rugby fan's going to buy that notion that you haven't choked at quarterfinals, but you don't care about that, mate. You don't care about that in the slightest. What I'd really like to well, know, I and I, I think... Go yeah, on. carry on. No, sorry. No, work away, work away. No. One thing that is clear to me that... Ireland just have an advantage in, and I'm fascinated with this, is connection between fan and player. I think New Zealand rugby fans are miserable. They, 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 they are so passionate from the end of the game all week up into kickoff and then sit on their hands. I've said that for years and years and years. Anyone listening to the show will know I've said that. Ireland, on the other hand, have the most connected, loud fan base. Is that, that going to help this in a quarterfinal? Theoretically, at a neutral venue, it's been a sea of green. It's been a senior green and so noisy. How can that not, not be an advantage? It is a great point. What I would say about the connection between the players and fans is that it's a relatively new thing, or at least to have it to this extent is relatively new. And it has certainly bled into those players and created almost a sense of destiny that they feel there is something special brewing here. Again, they're not worried about quarterfinals on paper. They're worried about going the whole way, going the distance in this tournament. And they have a right to believe that they can go the whole way as well, by the way. Like, that's where they do differ from previous Ireland teams, is that right? they, okay, whether they're the world number one team or not, whether you truly believe they are the best team in the world or not, they certainly are in the top four, right? So de facto semi-finalists, if the draw had been a little bit kinder, they, they have a right to believe they can go further. The, the sense of destiny would worry me sometimes as a fan because I think you should leave that to supporters to have a, a feeling that something is meant to be or there's something special brewing. Yeah. Players need to look after it on the, fi- on the field of play. But when you look at the personnel and, and some of the leaders in that Ireland team, and really from the top down with the coaching as well, like, do you think Johnny Sexton is going to take anything for granted or leave anything up to face at this point? You know, he's got three games left, potentially, or fewer in his professional rugby career. So what I mean by the the sense of destiny is more so they feel like the stars have aligned for them and they have to complete the job now. That actually, whatever the infrastructure and the draw, et cetera, that when you have 60,000 Ireland fans traveling over to watch you in France's home stadium, it has to mean something. And and it is maybe a slight advantage. The one counterpoint to that, Daniel, that I would say is, you boys did play France in that stadium, and I thought acquitted yourselves pretty well. Uh, you know, so it didn't feel as, the, uh, as though the atmosphere that day got on top of New Zealand, and that's about as intimidating in a way a game in World Rugby at the moment. I know, yes, again, France won the game, but I just wouldn't read a great deal into that New Zealand defeat. And um, I, ultimately, what kind of a game are you expecting, right? Because the way we would look at it here is that if New Zealand get chances in transition, like, I would suggest New Zealand should absolutely bombard Ireland with aerial balls, contestables, not even in an effort to win them cleanly, but just create loose balls, broken play, unstructured play, and that's where you guys unleash Talea, Will Jordan, Bodie, all these guys. And very few teams in the world can stop that, right? Whereas for Ireland, and like atmosphere kind of gets taken out of that equation then, right? Because you guys can go 100 yards and... 12, 15 seconds and puncture the atmosphere with the click of your fingers. For Ireland, it probably takes a little bit more work in order for us to uh, get the scores that will be required to get over the line. It probably takes a little bit more intricacy. I'm not saying that Ireland's attack is better necessarily, but when it's on song, it's pretty hard to stop as well, right? So, oh yeah, man, I, I love talking about the game. I'm, I'm so excited for it. <laughs> I'm so I know, I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. And I'm not trying to sit on a picket fence here. Uh, as far as how New Zealand should uh, play this. I think a lot is determined by that back three of Ireland with the injury concerns they do have. Uh, 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 you know, um, 
what once the team is out on the uh, is announced, I might have greater clarity on that. What, one thing I want from a New Zealand perspective is far greater defensive intensity. I think we're a little bit passive when we compare ourselves to Ireland, to South Africa, especially. No one has lines speak quite like them. France, I, I would also put in a similar camp. I think New Zealand can be a little bit passive, and if they get in the face of Ireland, defensive intensity, they could force errors like we saw in the 2019 uh, quarterfinal. Heck, even Johnny Sexton made an error in the in the quarterfinal. I think errors cost them at Eden Park. And also Johnny Sexton leaving yeah. the field at Eden Park in the first test uh, last year. I'm getting to Johnny Sexton in a roundabout way. He's just a massive figure. But let's wrap this up. And do me a favour, because I need to do some talk back. And, I, and I'm, you know, calls midweek can always be a bit challenging. 0800-150-811. How spooked should New Zealand fans be? Finish up with that one. How spooked... <laughs> Should we be? <laughs> I would say that you should be about as spooked as it would have been had you been playing South Africa instead. I think Ireland are that good a team, but equally I think New Zealand are an excellent team and an improving team. Like I'm not going to go, come on New Zealand radio and sound a warning that your boys are going to be sent packing on Saturday night because I think your team deserves greater respect than that. But I would make Ireland very, very, very slight favourites. And I guess, to, in a roundabout way myself, that means you should be spooked, right? I do think Ireland are a good enough team. You mentioned New Zealand's defence. I think Ireland are a good enough team to unpick that defence. And actually, I think if you flip that, yes. Ireland's defence is super underrated. Uh, and from structured play, they are going to be very difficult to break down. Your boys, you've got the dynamism in your back three and actually across, across the board where you are going to make line breaks, probably more line breaks than even South Africa managed against Ireland, certainly more than Scotland managed against Ireland. But where Ireland's defence is strong is it's kind of a bend but don't break defence at times. Their scramble D is unbelievably good. That's where actually some of those injuries will be key. Matt Hansen, James Lowe, we're not 100% sure on their availability yet. I would say if you were missing two of those guys, flip the script entirely and New Zealand would be favourites. But if Ireland are at full strength, fractional favourites to my mind. But what do you think? I agree with you on that last point about the injuries. I, I think that they are that important. And you're so right. 202 tackles against Scotland, 88% uh, tackle success. That They scrambled brilliantly. Ben not right. And, and that's why I put them up there with... And you don't have to defend all the same way. But the, the way they wake people at the breakdown, uh, the way they get around, I, I just think... <sighs> That, that is one area of New Zealand's game I don't know we've been holding back or just haven't been sharp enough. So uh, whatever, Gavin. I, all I know is from up until now to kick off, my mind's probably going to change about 50 times. So I'm sure you'll go back and when you speak to your uh, Irish audience, you'll say, look, they do have two eyes in New Zealand. I found a New Zealand rugby fan with two eyes. <laughs> well, you mentioned at the top of the call, thanks for staying off. Mate, I'm not going to sleep this week anyway. That's how I feel about it. So... Let the best team win. And listen, the, the beauty of these two countries, the beauty of this sport that we love is that uh, we'll meet again before long anyway. And uh, I'm sure I can talk to you guys again then. But hopefully I'll be coming on in ebullient form rather than in apologetic form at that point. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. I've kept you way too long. Thank you, mate. Do appreciate your time. Enjoy the game. Uh, Gavin Casey Cheers, joining Marty, us. Yeah, uh, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, sports journalist from the 42 in Ireland. How spooked are you?